So welcome to the Happy Mindset, where we use the power of language and storytelling to help you find your voice. Today's episode is episode number 47, and today's episode title is Sustainable Relationships. So today I'm joined by Katie Wallace. Katie is the founding sustainability consultant at Hux Sustainables. She's also the CEO of Rebranding, which is a non-profit homeless employment partner of Hux Sustainables. If a sustainability consultancy and a creative agency fell in love and had a baby, Hux would be that baby. They help impact driven and socially responsible companies grow through sustainable initiatives, creative strategies, and social media content. She also is the host of a podcast called Sustainable League, where she explores what it really takes to evolve collective consciousness and build a more resilient world. She was previously the co-host of a podcast called The Unlearned Show. So today on the podcast, Katie shares her thoughts around how sustainability is a mindset. She talks about the importance of contrast in our life. She talks about facing the unknown as an entrepreneur, how to know your inner circle and how to go about uh, being more aware of that and how to listen to yourself and to communicate more effectively with others. So there's a lot we got through in this podcast. I hope you can take away some information around communication and how to understand yourselves better. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I would appreciate it if you can leave a rating and a review and head on over to Facebook if you want to join the Happy Mindset group there. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today, Katie, taking the time out to speak to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. I just wanted to dive in with your definition of sustainability. What does the, that word mean to you? I think sustainability for me, I think the biggest thing that I like to say is that it's a mindset. And because people think of recycling typically, or they think about, you know, corporate greed or whatever it might be. And so I'm trying to get people to expand their definition and just get them to see that sustainability is how everything works in conjunction with everything else. And the idea is to get it to do that indefinitely, you know, like not using up resources more like more or faster than we can actually uh, reproduce them or nature can reproduce them. Um, etc. It's how we connect to each other, um, to the world around us, to the environment around us, businesses. It's all inclusive. If one piece of our system doesn't work, then the whole system is not sustainable. So we have to make sure that each piece is, is functioning. So did you always see sustainability as like a mindset or is that something you've grown to, to believe in? Yeah. I, I mean, I just, it wasn't something that I just was like, this is, this is what it is. But it was like the more that I started to learn and the more like life experiences that I had, it's just this culmination of everything that I, and I'm sure it's going to evolve more, but the more that I studied and the more I looked at everything, it's like, it's, I mean, everything is connected. I'll just put it that way. Everything is connected. And so it's essential for us to have that mindset of, of when we're going into when we're going into any situation, it's like, how can we sustain this? So it's just, it's been a culmination. Hmm. So like when it comes to the relationships, how, how has your relationships evolved as your relationship with yourself has evolved? Have you, have you seen a connection there between your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the people around you and your environment? Yeah. For sure. Because I mean, early on, I mean, you, we kind of just briefly talked about this. I mean, I was very disconnected. I lived probably the most unsustainable type of life that you could live just as far as with undiagnosed mental health issue, issues that led me to using people, places and things, namely drugs, alcohol and people 
to make myself feel okay. And by doing that, I disregarded, I was just so self-focused that I couldn't see anything else that was happening around me. And it was all I could focus on was my pain. So it just was amplified. And so um, when I was actually able to get help and was able to see outside of myself, that's when that mindset started to started to form and started to take place, I think. And I think everything that I do now is, is directly tied back to all those experiences that I had. Is there anything that stands out for you, like a, an adverse situation that you help, that helped you to understand yourself better in the long run? Mm, like, oh, like something recent or... Yeah, it can be recent or it can even be from the past, like something that sticks out in your mind is at the time it seemed quite negative and you couldn't see any light to the darkness. Was there any yeah. event in your life where, like, in hindsight, you were like, that actually taught me a lot more than I would have known possible? Oh my gosh, so many. It was like, I don't even, I just, it felt like my whole life was a black hole up until I was 19 years old. I mean, I can never effectively like describe what it felt like to be in this, to be in that place that I was, but it was just so miserable. Like I was talking to my partner the other day and I was telling him how I would like, I, cause I, I have these reoccurring dreams where I go back to this old house that I lived in, which for me just represents a lot of darkness and a lot of shame and a lot of like guilt. And I just remember sitting in my room Nobody was like, my dad was on the road, like he was traveling and like, it was only me and him who lived here, lived there at the time. And I remember like all the blinds being closed and like light kind of shining through. And I had like a book and I was like breaking down this like substance that I was going to put into my body. And I just thought to myself, like, this is my life. And I remember heavily contemplating suicide at that time. So like, I just say that to paint kind of a picture of what it looked like then. So, I mean, I think, and at the time when I was going through all that stuff, I wasn't thinking like, wow, this is going to make a great story one day. You know, I was just, I was, I was, I didn't care. I didn't even see past like that moment. You know, I was hoping that some sort of concoction would take me out, you know, of the drugs and alcohol that I was doing. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but um, yeah, all that stuff. And even getting sober, like I didn't think that, I didn't think that, I didn't envision this life for me, even then, you know, um, I had a little bit of hope about it, but I, I had no idea what it would turn into. So was there like a turning point for you or was it an accumulation of going through pain and hardship and coming out the other side? I think the turning point, like from that, I mean, the I was sort of first forced into my turning point, I suppose, because I almost went to prison. And they, uh, I was really fortunate enough to be given another option, which a lot of people said was worse than prison. But it was going through a five-year program that um, would effectively keep me off drugs and alcohol by, you know, multiple different means. And I ended up going to... Um, just to meetings and I ended up finding a community that that helped me to st stay sober through all that and 
they, I think they started sort of the, the cultivation of, of a more sustainable mindset and to be able to get outside of myself enough to be able to focus on other people. Um, so I kind of had this like interesting shift from like totally being inward facing and, and like the suffering, like the deep end of the spectrum to, you know, living this really amazing, beautiful life that I played a big hand in, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's something that you've mentioned before, the, the contrast. So you've got the contrast between darkness where you're full-time focusing on yourself to being catalyst for changing other people's life and focusing on other people. Like during that time when you're focusing on yourself, did you realize that's what you were doing? And what was it the community aspect in that got you out of that and you started realizing there's a contrast there? Like how important was the contrast for you? The contrast is everything because, you know, if you're living, especially, and you can probably relate to this, when you're, when you're going through it, like when you're young and you're experiencing these painful emotions, and, and nobody's telling you that like, hey, these things are normal and whatever, um, you start to think that that's all that life is. And so you go out through your life and so you're just expecting life to be painful um, until you get to a place to where you can clear out all of that pain and you can kind of like realize what it feels like to feel free. And then you realize that you could never return to that place because it's so dark and you know you would surely take your life if you had to return to that place, you know? So I think getting contrast for people is everything. Like if you're not happy with your life, why don't you try to do something different and see, like, see if it makes a change, you know, don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, if you're wanting something to change. You have like a, an experimentation mindset approach to life today. <laughs> I do. Yeah, oh, do you just mean like with personal growth and development or Let's see, whatever thing with business and, and, and uh, how important is like an experimentation mindset? Oh, it's super important because with everything we get very, like, let's say, let's say you're, you're super unhappy, but you start traveling and it makes you happy. Eventually, if you're using it as a solution, like travel will become dull to you and it'll take more for you to be able to grow. And that's kind of been, that's maybe that's just my experience, but like we get very, once you do something enough, you kind of get immune to it. Yeah. You know, and so you'll stop seeking out things to um, to change the way that you feel, even if it does spur growth, but you'll start to seek it in yourself before you go anywhere else. So I think it's super important just to kind of like try different things to be able to change your perspective or to be able to get you into the creative, into the novel. So experimentation is key, like just do different stuff. That's true. I think it's a, it's a hedonic adaptation that's the, the term where we just adapt to it and it just becomes the normal. I think that's, yeah. that's a key thing to become aware of because up until that point, you, you keep jumping between things, thinking stuff outside you and bring you happiness, sustained happiness and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think we're conditioned to, well, I mean, I think yeah. it's just human nature because we want to feel safe. And when we are in uncomfortable situations, even if it's going to be beneficial to our growth, we're always trying to make sense of the world around us because we, we crave that safety. And it's really essential for us to not fall prey to our lizard brain and to kind of go against it sometimes, right? But there's sometimes that it's like we are clearly in danger, you know, and we should 
we should like listen to it. But you know, when it's like having a conversation with someone and you're like mortified and you're freaking out, like have the conversation, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's kind of the gist. So like, how do you think about discomfort as an entrepreneur and somebody who wants to create impact in the world? What's your relationship like with discomfort and the unknown? <laughs> um, good God. It's, you're gonna, it's, it's the most uncomfortable thing that I've ever done in my life. Like it's so difficult and it's so wearing but that's the only way that progress comes is doing the uncomfortable things because I mean, I sat in a comfortable job for eight or nine years and I didn't change anything because I thought like something's going to happen. Like someone will come, they'll walk into the store that I'm managing and they'll be like, wow, you're so amazing. And they're going to pluck me from this like, you know, this little comfortable life I have, and they're going to place me in this amazing position that I'm made for. Um, but like, that doesn't happen. That's not real life. That's like a Hallmark movie. And um, yeah. And so it kind of came to a head when I was, tra I was traveling on a trip to the Philippines. And when I came back, I just realized that like, no one was coming to save me. No one was, no one was going to do anything for me. And if I wanted to, make a, if I wanted to do something, I was going to have to make it happen. And I was going to have to like save myself basically. So from, and that is the most uncomfortable thing you could possibly do is to quit your job with no safety net, not a real business plan. You know, I had some ideas and I was like, Oh, this would be so easy, you know, just stu stupid and naive. But it was really necessary for me to go through that really, really uncomfortable time in my life to know that I could take it, you know, that I could, that I was, I was made of more than I thought. Okay. <clears throat> so going through like the, the dark times in your life actually woke up to, to your resilience and the possibility that you could face a lot more in the future to create things as well. Is that, is that what helped you there? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, because I, I feel like I've already... How do I put this? I feel like I've already hit my bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm sure there will be, there's, and there's definitely been other mm. bottoms, but to hit a bottom like that, to where you're just so like spiritually, physically, emotionally mm. bankrupt, bankrupt that you have nothing else to give. And that death is seemingly the only option. I mean, it's really hard to go much lower than that, right? Like I could lose every single worldly thing that I own right now. And I would still have more than I had then. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think in a sense, it's made me, I'm not going to say fearless because I'm still very fearful, but it's easier for me to walk through that fear because I've practiced it for like, I mean, 10 plus years of walking through uncomfortable shit, you know? Yeah. Like as, a, as an entrepreneur, how do you find the balance between taking the leap and doing things and the planning part. Do you think there's a certain amount of planning that still needs to be put in place to move forward? Or maybe, yeah. maybe how do you feel about that, the planning and the, just actually doing things and figuring things out as you go along? Um, so planning is super important. I'm not, I'm honestly, like I'm good at it sometimes, um, but I'm very, I can be very irrational when it comes to, like when I have a thought, 
um, I'm very full steam ahead. And so it's, it's great to have people in my life who are like, whoa, 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 like, hold up. Like before you do that, like sometimes it's great, but sometimes it really, I'm okay. I'll say half the time it's really great, but half the time it comes back to bite me in the ass because I will start solving problems that don't need to be solved. If I would just take a day or two and just like, let it sit, then I could see like, oh, this isn't a fit for me or oh, there's nothing happening here. So don't waste your energy. Like it's going to work itself out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm just trying to kind of learn how to be more balanced in that area. Um, but it's definitely worked out because I try to do things before my brain kicks in, um, before it starts to tell me that like, Ooh, this is scary. Don't do this. Ooh, I don't like how this feels, you know? So I just do it. And I find that in doing it, I, I still make progress than I would if I just like sat back, you know, mm -hmm. if I sit back too long, I'll just stay paralyzed in fear. Do other people help you as well? You mentioned there that like, um, mentioned about other people. Did you find that other people held to balance you out rather than trying to always balance yourself out? For sure. I, I like, I, it's so I have people, you know, I have a lot of people in my life. But I have this very core group of people that I'll say there's about maybe 10 to 15 people. Actually, it's probably about, it's probably less than 10 people that I know if I go to them and I tell them anything that's going on in my life, they'll tell me the truth, no matter how ugly it is, no matter how painful it is, like they're not scared to hurt my feelings, but they're also not scared to lift me up and to like, to, I can go to them. And a hundred percent, they understand me and what I'm trying to do. And they'll give me sound advice. And even if it's just being a sounding board or whatever it is, like, I don't keep stuff to myself. Okay. Like I'm sure, I mean, if you've seen like any of my stuff, like I put a lot of my stuff out there because for me, I stayed really sick by keeping everything to myself. And that's like one of the first things I learned was like secrets keep us sick. Right. So if I'm thinking of doing anything, I just want, I want to get different perspectives. I want to get different life experiences. Hey, how does this sound to you? Like trying to do everything on your own. Um, I mean, it might work for some people, but for me, it doesn't work. You know, I think, I mean, it's, it's totally up to you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with getting outside perspectives even if you totally disregard them, even if you choose to do it your own way, there's nothing wrong with getting outside perspectives yeah. from core people that you trust. I will you, say that. Do you have any advice around people finding, because there might be some people who mightn't have that core group of people yet. Do you have any advice on how you identify and know the core group of people? You, you have to know yourself first. You have to know who you are. You have to clear out whatever is there, whatever is lingering there that is blocking you off from other people because so many people still carry around a lot of baggage and they have blocks. So I'm kind of a, this sounds, this is probably like the hippiest thing that I'll say, but I'm very, um, I'm all about energy and I'm all about vibes. Like the people that I've connected to or the people that are my, my core group of people, I connected to them immediately. Like before there were hardly any words spoken, I knew like I could just feel it. Like I could feel a draw to them and vibes don't lie. I go by that. So if you're in tune with yourself, um, it's easier for you to be in tune with others and you'll get feelings because I'll get feelings immediately. I know when I need to stay away from people because it's like, it's, it's undeniable the, like what I feel, 
you know? So, and it's not like they're rude. It's not like, it's not like they said something. It's just, it's just what they emanate. There's a, the, this, a different frequency. Did you ever ignore that in the past where you had those feelings and vibes and stuff and you just overrode it with your brain, your logic? Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Often. Very how, often. How have you learned to, to balance that better? I think by, you know, sometimes you just have to go into it. Sometimes you just have to explore it and see it for yourself. And I think sometimes I allow people who I know um, are energy vampires who are just here to um, suck the positive life force out of me. Um, and I've let them hang around too long. But I kind of had to go through that, you know, just to kind of see. And it, and it sucks because, you know, everyone's just on their journey and they're just trying to figure it out. And you don't want to ever leave, like, you know, no man left behind. Um, but sometimes it's essential for your own health and well-being and for you to continue on your journey and your mission to cut people out. You know, I think it's it's easier for me to say no to feel like to say no to energy vampires and people that don't resonate with me now. But it's just taken a lot of it's a lot of trial and error. And it's tricky because sometimes it could be fear. Sometimes. Mm. You're sometimes you're intimidated sometimes and you take that as like, oh, I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. So you have to get really good at like determining like, wait, is this a shitty person or am I just scared? You know, that's true. So, yeah. Is there any guiding questions that help you to find out whether it's you're intimidated or it's just the wrong person for you? Asking yourself that, ask yourself those questions. Is this fear? What, like, so what is it about? What is it about this feeling? What is it about this person um, that, that maybe isn't sitting so well with me? Right? Because, like, for me, I can tell you this when I get around um, um, successful women, right? Successful women, I get very, I get weird. Like, I don't know how to be myself, you know? And it, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't continue to go or be around successful women. That just means I need to explore that deeper and learn how to connect with them and get over whatever is going on inside of me. Because really, probably what it signifies for me is that they're reflecting back to me that I am not where I want exactly what I want to be yet. You know, I'm okay with where I'm at, but I don't want to stay here. And they, they're, you know, and they're, they've been CEOs for multiple companies, you know, they've made millions, billions of dollars, you know, I haven't done that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's sort of, they're like a reflection. They're reminding me that like, I'm not where I want to be. So, um, yeah, it's just asking yourself questions and just, just knowing yourself, knowing, knowing the kind of knowing your shortcomings. And, and being able to refer back to those things, the little triggers that you have that might elicit a certain response. Okay. So for sustainability, why were you drawn to sustainability in particular? That word and that, that, that mission? I think, so I think first I had, okay, so I, you know, I told you I got sober and I started, I started running. That was a big thing for me um, to kind of help me just escape my mind was to go running and it felt really good. And then um, after going, I was, a, I think it was a therapist who suggested I go 
you know, on a hike or like get out in some nature. And I was like, that's dumb. That's not going to help me. You know, I'm just crazy. That's all. And so then I went and there was just something about just like being outside and being around trees and not hearing cars whizzing by and not hearing just completely disconnecting. And there was something about it for me um, that I, and it was like the first place that I felt like I could quiet my mind, um, which I, I don't think I had ever been, a, been able to do that except for with drugs and alcohol. And so it kind of became my new addiction is just like being in nature and that just carried on. And then I've just always been, I've just always kind of naturally been interested in the outdoors and just kind of exploring. And, um, and so it was just a natural progression, I suppose. And then after going to the Philippines and kind of seeing a lot, I knew a lot of these problems existed, but they weren't really made real to me until I saw them up close and in person. And it was so glaring that I couldn't shut it off. Like I couldn't shut off the fact that, you know, millions, probably billions of people like don't have access to, let's say, clean energy or clean water, or clean sanitation or jobs or like necessary medicines to live. And all of these are homes, like all of these things just didn't sit well with me. And so... I wanted to build a business that I could help take on some of these really fundamental problems. Because the thing is like when you, when you don't, when your basic needs aren't met, it's going to be, it's going to be impossible for you to get to that point to where you can create and to where you can contribute because all you're doing is trying to survive. And so, and I can relate to that because I know what it's like to just be trying to survive, but because of drug and alcohol addiction. And so I just have like, just this want to get people to that point to where they, they can create, contribute and thrive. Mm. When do you realize that business was the best vehicle to, to create an impact in this arena? Because when you, I had this idea about nonprofits and I mean, I don't think it's just an idea, but I think I just didn't want to go around with my hands out asking for money. I wanted to create a self-sustaining business that could be a constant cash flow to be able to fund different projects that would take on, you know, whatever issues we deemed, you know, like right now it's homelessness. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted a sustainable model. And I, th I thought that a, a business would be the best way to do that. Are you, do you believe in you can't give what you can't have? Does that ever did you ever come across that? Yeah, a million percent. And yeah. that influence like the decisions you take in the your own business and around just everything. Yes. Yeah. I think especially in the sense of when I get into dark places now, I have to remind myself that I have to take care of myself. Um, because if I don't, everything else around me will fall to shit. So if I'm not right with myself, then how am I going to contribute? to the world. And I, I mean, I've seen it like you've all even say in the past, like few weeks, um, just kind of like dealing with some stuff, like nothing major, but just sort of some internal stuff. And I would notice like when I'm showing up to events that I wasn't, I wasn't bringing me there. And so I think it's essential for people to consistently 
check in with themselves and make sure that they are taken care of. Um, because I think that causes, you, I mean, you probably burnout. I mean, burnout among other things um, that, that come along with, with not taking care of yourself. Like, yeah. How do you, like, how do you build a business without burning out? Like, how do you find that balance where you're not getting bogged into the detail or you're not, live, you're not creating a life around your business, you're creating a life? How do you mm. find out for yourself that balance? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> like, I wish I could, you know, like, so it's really hard for me to say because last year it was interesting because I, I just, I traveled a lot. Like I was still trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to be doing. I was working with a bunch of different types of clients. I was speaking, I was doing a lot of different things to see what resonated fully and then come around maybe October, November. I was like, okay, this is the thing. This is the thing that I think I can settle on. I'm going to do this. But I was still, you know, traveling probably at least, I don't know, a week, a month, maybe, um, maybe more. Sometimes I was gone for the whole month. So around December, I took this trip and it, it just felt, well, I'll say, in, I'll say, I'll say in October, I took a trip and I think that was like the last time that it felt good. And then I realized that I was starting to use travel as an escape. Like every time a client got like, it was difficult or something got hard, I would just be like, oh, I need to take a trip, you know? And I was starting to use it as an escape versus working on my company or working on whatever it was. Um, so I think it's, it's just a constant you know, kind of like at first it's sort of like this, like you're swinging back and forth, like trying to figure out which way it goes, but then it starts to kind of level out and you start to see like, oh, it's not like traveling that's inherently bad. It's when I use traveling to escape that's bad. But like for me, travel is also, it can be good. It's a way for me to reset and bring more creativity into projects and to um, just kind of fill myself back up, you know? Um, and there's other ways to do that as well, but that's just sort of been like a key one for me. Okay. So it's just finding what works for you, right? It could just be, you know, you need to go to the gym, you need to meditate, you need to do this, but having a consistent practice and something consistent that you do is really helpful to prevent burnout as well. And checking in with yourself and regarding why you're doing a certain thing, if it's not feeling well, feeling good for you anymore as well. It's actually quite right. important that because LinkedIn start off, it feels really good. And then after a while, you realize it's not even feeling that great anymore. You can overlook that as well. Mm -hmm. So you're, you've got a podcast as well, not Sustainable League. What's that all about? Yeah, Sustainable League. So my whole thing is I just want to get people to think about things that they probably weren't thinking about when it comes to sustainability. Um, and that could be, I mean, I just did an episode that I'm, it's going to be really interesting and I'm kind of scared to put it out, but we talk about, um, ayahuasca and plant medicines as a means for mindset shift. Um, but we also talked about travel too. And so it's just a very, it's eclectic, but I mean, we talk about, I mean, we talk about real environmental stuff and how people can make an impact there. But we also talk about the like sustainability as a whole, right? Like everything that goes into it. Um, so that's kind of what you can expect. It's just a conversation between me and someone who works in some industry that 
is contributing towards building a more sustainable world, basically. Okay, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. The sustainable relationships part. Can you explain a little bit more on the relationships part, how that ties into sustainability? Yeah. Well, I mean, my thing about relationships is that we are, we're always in relationships, no matter what, unless you are, um, even if you're a monk, you're in a relationship. And unless you're a hermit who lives in a cave far, far away from everyone up in the mountains or something, um, you're, you have relationships, you know, I don't care if it's with your FedEx guy who's just dropping off your packages. It's like, that's a relationship. Um, and so everything that we do is everything that we're building together is based off of these relationships. And that's why I'm so big on communication because how are we going to build towards a more sustainable world when we have to work together to do that, but we're not able to communicate to each other, you know? So, I mean, truly relationships and our communication is the foundation of building a more sustainable world, like taking in other people's points of views, because the thing is, we're still very, we're still very divided. We're divided by where we're from. We're divided by, um, you know, whether or not people like to, you know, we're still kind of working on the color of our skin, like our ethnicity, um, all sorts of different things. And so we're very, we're, we're divided. So we need to be able to kind of see through that and realize that our fate is common um, when it comes to having a home here on earth. And yeah, I think that's, 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 that's kind of the idea behind relationships, right? Like how that ties into sustainability. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's like it's going beyond the service levels where we see the differences between each other and looking more deeper and seeing the similarities that we have and then yeah. ways to make things work for everybody as much as possible. Like, right. is there any, like for me, I think a key component I've learned over the years and continue to learning is uh, listening to other people. I've taken that for granted, listening as a skill. I hadn't taught that. I didn't really think too much about how what I heard people say was affected by how I taught. I always thought it was like you're just listening to somebody else and you're hearing what they're saying. But I didn't realize that there was another level of me thinking what I'm hearing mixed in there as well. So um, is, have you any tips to help people to listen better to other people and to also just communicate their message in a less emotionally charged way? Like when you feel triggered by somebody to taking a step back and going, what's going on here before you respond to somebody? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to be real. Like I'm the worst active listener in the world. Like I just, it, I'm just really shitty at it. Um, so there's a, there's an organization that I, I truly am obsessed with, which is relationships first. And they teach a dialogue that is super, super simple, but it is so effective. Like I'm talking, I can use this dialogue with my partner to go from yelling match to, oh, hey, this is, this is what's actually going on, you know, because what happens is we have all these perceived ideas and notions about people. And when we're communicating, especially in a heated situation, those things start to come out, right? And, and it has nothing to do with what is actually going on. You know, it could just be that like, there weren't dishes done, right? And instead of me coming in and yelling and being like, 
like I've been working all day. Like you don't understand. Like this, this makes me feel like, or I don't even mean to say that. I was like, this is BS. Like you don't care. You don't do enough. You don't do this, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like vomiting all of these things over. But really me seeing those dishes in the sink just made me feel like he didn't see how much work I was putting in and how much that I have going on. And that it would have been really nice to come home and like to not have to do the dishes on top of everything. But instead of saying that, a lot of people do the, the former. They do the whole yelling thing. And not that, that, personal, or that um, personal relationships are the only ones that go through that. I mean, business relationships. I mean, good God, look at, like, our, look at government and <laughs> all sorts of different stuff that comes from that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but then, but the thing is when you talk, when you're talking about real communication, you're going to have to really talk about what's going on inside of you, why you're feeling that way. You know, it's easier to be angry and to make up all this crap than just to say, Hey, it hurt my feelings that you did this, you know, Hey, it made me feel unloved. Hey, that like made me feel like I wasn't good enough, you know? Um, so I would, again, it starts with you getting to know yourself, getting to know what you need. And I always recommend relationships first as like a good place to start. If you feel like you're not the strongest communicator or if like your fights often turn or if your conversations often turn into arguments. Yeah. Is vulnerability to keep a vulnerability? Did you ever have to shift your relationship with vulnerability at any stage or did you always see it as like a strength rather than a weakness? Oh no, I hated, like, I didn't cry for a really long time because, um, just, and with, within my family unit, there wasn't a lot of talking about, feel there was no talking about feelings. It was like, and if you did, if you, if you cried or if you were, it was like, what are you crying for? Like, you have no reason to cry, you know, like stop, like stop feeling how you're feeling. And so I would always shut them off. And I think that led me a lot to, to, again, to drugs and alcohol. I'm not saying it was just that, but, um, yeah, like I would shut off my feelings and I'm still, I can still really do that. And it's really hard for me to be vulnerable to people and to let them know what's going on inside me. Um, and it's just a practice of, getting in touch with yourself, knowing what's going on, and then practicing communicating to that, that to other people in a way that they understand. And that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, uh, it, requires, it requires work. It requires like... So much. And being vulnerable is hard. You know, like every, you, you see all these people who are, like I'll say this, people see my videos on LinkedIn and they're like, wow, you're just so vulnerable and raw. And I'm like, to me, like, that's a very controlled, like I, I'm still very much controlling the narrative. Like it gets a little weird in my head. Like, I'm not going to lie. And I, but that's the stuff, my neurotic rambles, like that's the stuff that I like tell to my core group of people. Right. Like the, but yeah, how do you, the, find, the balance? How do you find the balance there? Like I, that's something that I kind of navigating as well. It's like, it's, it's having that, for me, it's like um, certain things that I like to keep a bit to myself, a bit private. Um, and there's other stuff as well that I feel it's important to just kind of be myself. But I suppose it's at all times to try and be myself, but there's certain things as well that it's like, people have to earn the right as well to know exactly 
certain things as well. So um, I don't know, do you have that kind of thing going on and how do you balance that yourself? Um, 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 um I don't know, really. I think I can definitely tell, because <laughs> I'm neurotic as hell, okay? So it's, I think when someone can get value from something, it's like the overall lesson. Like you tell people enough of your personal experience to where they can say like, oh, like a situation has happened like that to me or I've felt like that. And then you go into the solution, right? You don't give them like this whole long, like freaking dialogue about everything that's going on, you know? So you just give people just enough to where they can understand, relate, and then you go into what you learn from it, what the solution is. Like, I don't tell people stuff unless it's going to provide value in some sense. Like I told people about my drug addiction and getting sober so that people who are suffering silently through the same thing know that there's a solution. They can know that I'm 10 years removed from that and that there's some kind of hope, right? And then I provided resources um, that they could, you know, that they could turn to that like other people have used and that it's been helpful. So, I mean, it's not like I was just like, oh, listen to my crazy story about all this stuff that went on. It's more so, hey, I suffered in silence for a long time. You don't have to suffer in silence. I'll break my silence so that like you can too. You know what I mean? That's really good. That's well articulated actually. Yeah. It's about uh, the value you're offering and you're providing a solution and it's around something that people have kept quiet on for, for far too long. That's, uh, yeah. that's a good one. Don't, don't bring unprocessed stuff to people. Like I think that's the biggest thing is that if, I, if, if you share something, make sure it's something that you found resolution for, you know, yeah. because otherwise you're just sort of bitching and moaning. And, and, but you can do that, right? You can do that with friends and you can do that with your family or, but don't do that with social media. Don't use that as like a, a raw, unfiltered, like, yeah. yeah. Well, it, that's actually useful because that's, that's how all our brains are. It's like there's certain stuff in there that we have to talk out and make sense of before we can actually understand what we learn from that. Uh, that's good. How about uh, curiosity? Has curiosity taken any form in your life to, to transform your mind and where you're heading? Oh, God. I have a mortifying story about curiosity, and I'm just like, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> but, like, it gets me, I feel like it gets me, it makes me feel really dumb sometimes. Um, but it's, it opens your world up so much, right? Just by asking questions just by not knowing something or by making a joke about something. And it somehow opens up like you to a whole new world that you had no idea about and maybe something that you were insensitive to, but also really cool topics, right? Like, um, like this weekend, I, I met these guys who work on a, on a, it's an alien show, basically, you know, like ancient aliens, all those different type of things. Um, and I've always been really into all of this stuff. So I was like asking them all this, all these questions because they had like been, obviously they've worked with, or they've interviewed multiple like CIA um, agents, members, et cetera. Um, so it was just, it was really interesting. Like I've always had that interest in, 
in that, but just by taking the time to go out and like talk to different people, just by being curious about what other people have going on in the world, it led me to this badass night and badass conversation around something that I love too, you know? Um, and like if you're in, in curiosity, I mean, it could bring you to learning a new skill, you know, like it could bring you to all these different places. I think, I think we have to stay curious and I think we kind of have to see how things work for us. You know, that's a very convoluted answer, but there it is. No, it's good. I think it helps to see, see past stereotypes as well. When you've got curiosity around the person, you see past the uh, ethnicity and all that, and you see more of the individual and what their interests are. And because people are quite interesting when you do come from curiosity and ask them questions from curiosity. So, yeah, I think. I think people really, especially if you're wanting to learn more about like certain people or certain industries or whatever, they really appreciate curiosity. So like ask, there's, don't feel like you're going to be dumb or um, sometimes I feel a little out of my element, but I'll say that. Like, so if you kind of, if you kind of get that same like weirdness, like you don't want to seem like you're dumb or something like that, just be like, look. I'm very oblivious when it comes to this, but I, I, I want to learn. I want to know more. Um, and just kind of like set that tone, you know, don't come into it acting like you're an expert, right? Just yeah. set it up, like set yourself up for it. Cool. So Hawk Sustainable, that's your company. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and what's the, the mission for it? Yes. So Hawk Sustainables is a consulting company and we work with impact driven organizations, companies, nonprofits, whatever that have some sort of social or environmental initiative built into their company. And so we can do all sorts of things for them. We can do um, a, lot of, a lot of business development, a lot of connecting them to who they need to get connected to, but also implementing different initiatives, be it recycling, composting, um, kind of remedial things. Um, but then we also do some digital marketing. I won't say we do a lot, but we help as far as with helping people within the organization grow, like do their personal branding to help grow the business, um, but also helping on LinkedIn and, and Instagram as well. Um, so we kind of help them come up with a strategy for that as well. Okay. So is that kind of like positioning as well? Positioning them online? Is that, is that part of the day? Yeah. 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 So it's been really interesting that a lot of the organizations that I was working with on certain projects, we're all struggling with the same thing, which is how do we get our message out to more people? How do we grow? And so that's been kind of an interesting under undertaking, but it's all in the name of, of helping them grow, helping them impact uh, more people, basically. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so great. Thanks, uh, thanks for sharing, Katie. Thanks for telling yeah. us more about your story and like what you've learned from the darkness and what you've been through to turn that into something positive in your life and what you're doing in the world now. How would uh, people find you online if they wanted to know more about you? Probably the best place is LinkedIn. You can find me there, Katie Wallace. Or if you just search Katie Wallace Hux, H-U-X, you can find me probably everywhere on Facebook, on Instagram. Our website is huxsustainables.com. But if you go to LinkedIn, you'll find everything there. Sorry. Do you have any last message for our people for 2019 that you want them to, to remember? For 2019, 
Um, let's see. My message for 2019 is, is like the same message to myself and it's to stop taking yourself so damn seriously. Um, to stop taking, I mean, let's, let's just get it straight, right? Like everyone's in a rush to get to all these places and this is advice to myself. Okay. Um, but we're always in a rush to get to this far off place and we need to be there and we need to be there right now. Um, but it's essential for us to come into the present moment and to look at what's happening around us because it is freaking beautiful. And if you're just rushing by, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the whole point. You're going to miss life. Um, so stop taking yourself so damn seriously. Like life is fun. It really is. Cool. Great message. Katie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks again for, for taking your time and, uh, yeah, best of luck with everything in 2019. And, uh, until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.